0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. The very first question I have on that sheet on the notes is this, how long can you go without being connected? And when you hear that question, it's kind of an ambiguous question, right? And Because you have to say, how, how long can I go without being connected to what? And so when you think about this, and this is what we do when we get up here at Crosswalk and we kind of do our preaching, that we talk and understand that we are more than just spiritual beings, that God has made us physical, God has made us spiritual, God has made us emotionally, and to have emotions and also a mental side to it, mentality as well. And so when you think about how long can I go without being connected, I want you to think of those boxes just for a moment. Let's just start with the physical box. How long can I go without being connected physically to oxygen? And for some, if you say, I can't even hold my breath that long, I don't know, maybe 40 seconds would be it until I, uh, until I feel like I had to take a breath. But, but you say, well, then maybe if you go 10 minutes without oxygen, that I guess you can do it, but sometime in their brain damage starts. So you would say, I can go a period of time where it might not kill me, but it would definitely hurt me. Okay, so that's how long for oxygen. The next would be how long can you go without water? So with water, you would say, I can go longer than 45 seconds. I can go longer than 10 minutes. I can go longer than an hour, and it's not going to necessarily hurt me. But depending on what you're doing, if you're hiking or something like that, if you're without water for four hours, six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, dehydration is going to set in. It's going to affect you. And as I like to say in in my house, one of the first signs of dehydration is grumpiness. So in our house, we don't say quit being grumpy. We say, why don't you take a drink of water? But, but it's this reality, right? If we don't have it, if we're not connected to it, it affects us. It might not kill us, but it is going to make our lives miserable. The next one then, okay, that's water. How long can you go without food? Probably also 45 seconds, maybe, maybe 10 minutes, maybe an hour. Who would want to do that, right? Well, you look at that and you say, maybe I'd be good not going without food for a month or two. But at some point in there, if you went long enough, it would start to have a a toll on you, it would take a toll on you and it would affect you, it would would affect your emotions, it would affect all of you and until at some point, it would kill you in in a pretty miserable way. So let's go from there. Let's then go, instead of that, let's go to emotional. How long can you go without being connected to someone without talking to someone or listening to them, communicating with them. Most of the time on a daily basis, we, we would be in contact with someone. But the state of Arizona says, if you make someone go without that type of communication for over 15 days in what they call solitary confinement, it begins to be cruel and inhumane Punishment to simply not be able to talk or listen or interact or or have the physical touch of another person, they use as punishment. But let's face it, we do it with our kids too, right? It's called a time out. And as we look at that, there's a time period you put on that where you say that this is hurting them, that this is causing some pain to them. And it's not only to children, but the most hardened adults. It's the way that you can hurt them And now I want you to think about that, about how long that you've gone without being listened to, without a tender touch, without being hugged, without being loved. And maybe maybe it won't kill you. But if you have been a person who has had that withheld, or maybe if you've done foster or adoption care with a child who has had that withheld, you understand that those scars are going to go with them their entire lives. That that you don't have to hurt someone emotionally by saying something to them. You can hurt them by saying nothing to them. Again, maybe it won't kill you, but but it is going to make you miserable. How long can you go without being connected until some damage is done? But then finally, again, as God makes us, How long can you go spiritually, how long can you go without forgiving someone? There's some people here, I've gone 25 years. I've gone 25 years since we talked, since they pulled that stunt, and that's when I said, you know what? I've had enough of that, and it hasn't affected me. (laughs) Oh, I see. And all of a sudden you realize when you are away that when you withhold from someone forgiveness, that if you've had to live your life with 30, 40 years of shame and guilt, can I live away from God? The Bible has a name for that. It's called spiritual death. Death. And by definition, spiritual death is separation from God. And that is why earlier, as Tom was talking about sin and confessing our sins, to understand that every time we sin, properly understood, you could say it kills you a little bit on the inside. That that, that we have this huge gap from God that's caused by sin, and to the extent that we don't address it, we die a little bit more each day. That that it just becomes more and more miserable. And maybe for you, that God seems more and more distant. What a horrible way to die spiritually. Starving yourself from God. Not drinking the water of life. All those pictures he gives of what his forgiveness and his love and his compassion are truly like. My invitation to you today, and God's invitation, even more important, is to be connected. And as we see the connection that God offers, it is not just a spiritual connection, as if that weren't enough. But we will see that when we are truly connected with God in the way that he would have us be connected, we will be connected with one another. And the Lord will bring not just spiritual blessing, but he also helps us in, in a very real physical way, in a very real emotional way, that these are connected and they are part of his blessing and his plan for you. So we start. We go to 1 John chapter 1, beginning with the fourth verse. And what I'm going to do, just so you know, is I'm going to read through this section and we're going to then go verse by verse through it. But this, we, we do the whole thing. And, and this is the apostle John who is writing and he's writing it towards the end of his life and he's writing it to these Christians and this is what he says. That which was from the beginning. And with these words, I hope you see that, that, that John is going all the way back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's also going back to the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And now he's going with a letter that he's writing in the beginning. And what he's showing is that the God that he is talking about, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the eternal God. Just so we know, we're gonna have this connection with the eternal God who always was and who always will be. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And and this means both the word that brings life and at the same time refers to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word who brings life. And this is what he says, the life appeared. So what he's saying is Jesus came into the world. We have seen it. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, and this is the emphasis for this part at least, so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's go right to the fill-in, and that is we are connected. In our lives, we are connected with fellowships, fellowships, and that means we are in the same boat together, in the same boat together. And then the question is, what, what boats are you in? And so when we look at this fellowship, I, I, the reason why I say we're in the same boat together is Take fellowship and make it ship fellows. That, that helps you understand what fellowship is. It, it's people who are on the same boat together. It's people who are part of something that is bigger than they are. And so as I, I look around this room and I see different people that are here, I know that you either are or have been part of something uh, where you have had a fellowship. And so, for some, first of all, it's a sports team, and what happens is you're in the same boat together. What what you do, depending on what level you're at, if you're in a high school sport, that you're going and you're having practice or games at least five times a week, which means you're close. You're gonna be on the bus together. You're gonna be at practices together. You're gonna be at games together. The parents who are part of this are gonna be picking their kids up at the same time. They're gonna be going to these games. And all of a sudden what happens is you begin to have a bond. That there's a connection, that you see each other, that as you're waiting uh, for the game to get, uh, or during the game or after the game, when you're waiting for your kids to come back out, that you talk to each other, you get to know each other. Others of you, the the fellowship that you have, the connection, um, might be through music, through a band, uh, through a group that you get together and you play that music and you have this closeness. For others, you have a fellowship of where you work, that yeah, we work together and so we know each other and we're in the same place for 40, 50 or more hours a week and so we, we have this fellowship. We're in this boat together and because of that, you begin to feel on some level or another connected to them and you grow closer to them. But as you think about fellowship, it's important as we begin this that God talks about having fellowship with him and fellowship with the world. And what happens in the life of a Christian is because we do have things in common with those who don't know Jesus we are going to go into the same boat, that that we are going to have some things in common. And that's not bad. That's an opportunity for us to to go and and to share our faith with them and for them to to know what we're all about and maybe to share uh, what Jesus is about as well. But understand those fellowships can work both ways. That when it's fellowship with the world that you start to say, you know what? I wanna be like they are. I wanna go where they're going. Because the fellowship that we have with God, the boat, if you want to know where the boat's going, the fellowship we have with God, it says in here, leads to eternal life. That that is where God and and where Christ is taking us. But the fellowship of the world, that boat is heading in a different direction. And that is to, to damnation, to hell, whatever you want to call it. But it's heading away from God. And so this is the point: you can't be in both boats. They are are exclusive. They go in different directions. And so the encouragement that as we begin is to say, as we talk about connections, that maybe this doesn't start with the connection you need to make with God. It starts with the connections you need to break in this world. We continue. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. I just love this section so much because John, as the apostle John writes this, he's taking it from the beginning of his faith to the end of his faith. And so when he starts with what we have heard, so with John, it would have started with what he had heard about the word. And it would have started when he was a little kid at the synagogue. And they would have heard the Old Testament. That they would have read all of the things about uh, what God had done for them, and all of that was the Word. That was the beginning. He heard about it. He heard about the promised Christ that would come. And then in his life, he had this opportunity to see it. The first time he saw Jesus, and and and, and began to to see the work that he was doing. And then as he goes on from there, which we have looked at, that word for look at is examine. That, the, that if you're going to really get the gist of this word, it's kind of like come with a magnifying glass, go with a fine tooth comb, and, and that you're really looking into it. That, that they really examine these truths, the Old Testament. They looked at the life of Jesus and they said, is this the one? And then finally, which our hands have touched that as he shares this, it brings back an image of the day that Jesus rose from the dead and a week later. First of all, the day Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, except for Thomas. And and when Thomas heard, he said, you know what? Unless I'm able to to take my hand and and touch those nail holes and and put my hand in his side, I'm not gonna believe. And then a week later, Jesus appeared to them again. And that's when he had the invitation. Here you go, Thomas. Thomas. And, and you wonder, as Thomas was invited to do that, it appears John also said, you know what? As long as you're here, Jesus, I would love to, to have that and touch that as well. And so the hands of John touching the hands of Jesus, which were wounded for him, as the hands of John touched the side and the scar where the spear went in to show that Jesus was dead, the life that was given for him, That John is saying, I have not only seen this, but I have physically, I have examined this. Let me tell you, this is real. And he wants to share that with you. He wants to share that with me who haven't had that opportunity to do it, to say, even though you haven't had the opportunity to do it, it's real. This makes me think of Eugene Pillsbury. He is, none of you know him. Eugene Pillsbury, you can look him up. He's not on the internet. He's, he's dead. He's been dead for 20, 27 years. But he was a, a man that I visited when I was, I, I had an internship, a vicar year in Orlando, Florida. And Eugene Pillsbury was a, a person that I went to visit. And I rem, what I remember about him, he's told me stories every time I went. He was dying of cancer. He's a big guy. Really big guy, like big, strong, strapping guy, and slowly cancer was eating him away. But he, what I remember is he went across the United States in a covered wagon, and and he and the stories. Every time he told me stories, and I, I love stories anyway, so I'd sit and listen. And I, the stories I remember the most is he said, you know, going across the plains and stuff like that was difficult. But he said, let me tell you about the mountains. When you got to the mountains in a covered wagon, your, your horses cannot pull the wagon up the hill because it's, the, the grades were too steep. So he said, what we would do is we took the ropes, the, all these ropes we had, we would tie them around a tree, unhook the horses, have them go up by that tree and we would pull the wagon that the horses would pull down and that rope would be used to pull the wagon up. Then we would block the wheels. Then we would go up to the next tree where we could pull up. And he said, sometimes on a given day, we might only make it 400 yards. And we're going west. And that was part of it. And, and as I heard these things, I realized I've never experienced them. But what I had was a living history book who had seen it and had done it. And it was just amazing to have access to that. That's what you have access to as well. I have not personally seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have his word. I have the the eyewitness account of of the apostle John. And he tells us it's true. And I want you to join in the story because it is such a great one. And, And what we have from this is eternal life. This isn't just about Jesus and his resurrection of the dead, which is a historical fact. But this is how God brings eternal life to you and to me. And God wants you to be part of this account. We've touched it with our hands. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. In the blank, you can write, we have a fellowship of faith. We have a fellowship of faith. We are connected with a common message. A fellowship of faith with a common message. And I don't know if you know this or not, but this common faith and this common message that the church has found to be so important that we confess it and we say what we believe on a regular basis. And this is all through all Christianity, all Christian churches. And what I'm gonna ask you to do now is share in confessing this common faith which we share in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please join with me now. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, amen. Common faith, we celebrate it every week when we confess that message. Jesus is alive and we have eternal life because of it. We continue. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. So now John is saying this. I I want you guys that we have this fellowship, you're part of it. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now we have fellowship with God. Sins forgiven, we're now close. We're part of the family of God. In the blank, you can write, We have a fellowship of family. We have a fellowship of family. We are connected by a common Father. We are connected by a common Father. God's my father, and God's your father? You know what that makes us? Brothers and sisters, who knew? Brothers and sisters with the same father, not just because the father made us, which he did, but the father also into his family of faith. And that is why in baptism, when we we have the sins washed away through water and the word, that the picture is that of a bath where our sins are washed away, but there's a second picture. And that is when God's name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, is used in baptism. A second thing is happening, and that is adoption. Adoption into God's family. That we can say, God has adopted me. My baptism is the adoption papers that prove I am part of the family of God. And now, as a result of that, we have all the blessings. All the blessings. We share in these common blessings of having God as our father. We continue. On the next page at the top is just one short line. That's the end of the message that, that from 1 John where it says, we write this to make our joy complete. And that's the thing about the fellowship with the message of Jesus Christ, where it's something that we can enjoy it, But when we know that there are those who don't know it and are not enjoying it, in that sense, our joy is not complete. And why we continue to proclaim this message, not just for our sakes, as we enjoy our family, but we want to bring others into our family. Mom, I want a brother, I want a little sister. That, that truly in the Christian faith, when we share Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit brings someone into faith, that's what we get. God bringing brothers and sisters into our fellowship, making our family, making His family complete as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. We continue. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts. That lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So now you have this different picture that is given. The first one is that of a family in which we bring people into fellowship. The next part of this is to say we're part of a body and let's fill it in. We have a fellowship of membership, of membership. We are connected in a common body of which you and me are a member that by virtue of believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior, part of being part of this holy Christian church, we are part of a body. Now, right now, there are people who are watching online who aren't here today. And to that, I say, welcome. Thank you for watching. We are so thankful to have you here. But I'm also going to tell you, to the extent that you stay at home and you do not come here and just listen to a message on the internet, you are missing out. Maybe I'll put it this way. This is gonna be morbid, okay? So if you don't want morbid, shut your ears for a moment. But imagine if you were to see an accident on Baseline Road, which it's like every day, right? But imagine if you were there and it was a severe accident and you were to see that somehow in the accident, someone had a severed finger and it was in the road, and they had just taken them off with the ambulance, and you saw that finger there. Would you maybe, uh, with a Kleenex (laughs) or something, pick it up, run to Circle K, get a big cup of ice, put it in, find out which hospital they were in, and take it there, because you know there's only a certain period of time that the connection can happen, right? That they might be able to reconnect this. And, and so you would say, I don't know how long that is. Maybe, it is. maybe it's minutes, maybe it's an hour. I don't even know how long that would be. And I'm sure whichever, every situation might be a little bit different. But if you saw a part of the body that was not connected to the body, that would like blow, it would like freak you out. And yet every day there are people who say they are Christian who say, I don't come to church, and they're being the same thing. They're saying, I can be part of the body without being present where the body is. And I'm not saying you can't do it, but I am saying God is. And so what happens is your faith becomes like this finger put in formaldehyde that, that it maybe isn't disintegrating, but it's also not acting in any way either. It's not growing, it's not, it's not being helpful. And that's the picture that, 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 and the message. And so, that, that you might be able to say, hey, I don't need these other people around me, I can live without this connection. But my question then is, can they live without you? That, that this is a reciprocal relationship in a family, in a body, in the church, where we go together. And the power that we have when we are brought as part of the body is so big, And and so one more way, just to show the importance of this, is I want you to think, Arizona Cardinal fans, uh, I I think about this when the new coach was just hired, and I, I was watching it, and he said he was excited about the Red Sea. And I was like, how come I should know what the Red Sea is? And then I, well, because the Red Sea's in the Bible. But anyways, the other Red Sea is all of the the Arizona fans wearing red who are at the games. And if you watch football, if there is two teams that are evenly matched, home field advantage usually gives you a three-point advantage. Think about that. It's a bunch of individuals who are wearing red get together when you get 40, 50,000 of them yelling all of a sudden, what, what happens is you have an impact on the outcome of what's happening in front of you. That's what the Red Sea is. You get to be part of something big. What I'm telling you is in the, what God has given you is the church, and you are part of something as well that is taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, and it's bigger than you are. And it's a part that comes with the promise of God that he will bless it and nothing will overcome the church. Throughout all generations, that's God's promise. It's something we're part of. Membership, the encouragement, be a member. And so for you, maybe your next step is to go to our Christian Essentials One class, which is our membership class to learn about connection to God, connection to the Christian church and connection to others. And finally, we go to Acts 2, or yeah, Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves, talking about the church, this fellowship, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted time to being in the same boat together through the resurrection of Jesus, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together together that we try to be at crosswalk. And, and to the extent that I have failed, that you have failed, that we have failed each other, I apologize. And, and I, that would be one of those sins I confess to the Lord. And that is, Lord, that I don't always look at the, the people around me as my family. That I don't look at them as member of my body so that I say, I can't live without you. Because you're part of the body of Christ. Sometimes, maybe even I have an attitude that says I'm better off without them, that my life would be a lot easier. And God says, you know what? That's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. And that is because, fill in the blank, we have a fellowship of purpose. We have a fellowship of purpose. We give and receive love and care and help wherever and whenever it is needed. The common purpose that God has given us, that we talk about the five purposes, we talk about the, that we were created to worship God, that, that, that we are created to have fellowship with God and one another. God has created us to, to have discipleship, to, to follow him. God has created us with a purpose of serving and God has created us with a purpose of, of reaching out. That is what this start series is all about. It's about living out this purpose which God has in mind for us. And there is going to be giving and there is going to be receiving. For you today, what I'm going to tell you is that Crosswalk has created three places specifically where this happens. One of them, good news, you're already at it and that's worship. Worship is an environment where we come together and we have connection. And whether you realized it or not, the connection we experienced when we confessed the Apostles' Creed, it brings a connection that you, you are able to see those around you as, as brothers and sisters in faith. And it's a great connection. The problem with worship, a little bit, if you wanna call it that, I don't wanna say the problem with it, the limitation of worship is that right now, every person here is sitting shoulder to shoulder. And when you have shoulder to shoulder, you're facing me, but you're not facing each other. And so the next part we have is what, what we call growth groups, impact groups, whatever you wanna call them. And what those groups are about is taking the shoulder to shoulder and making it face to face. This is when you have opportunities to mutually encourage one another. The way that we say it is that you do life together. You share your, your, your cares, concerns, the hardships, your joys, all that you share with each other in groups of six, eight, 12, whatever, however many are in that group. And you begin to experience this fellowship and connection. A third place that we have are ministry teams. Ministry teams who have a common purpose in, in, inside the church. And so one ministry team, just as an example, this does not set itself up every week. A ministry team sets it up. Crosswalk kids, if you ever go over there, there's 110, 120 kids over there today. And, and when you go over there, it doesn't take care of itself, not just the setup, but also the teaching of it. There are ministry teams, people who join together around a common purpose, and as they do that, they begin to have connection, that they begin to see themselves as part of something bigger than just themselves, of being able to share the gospel with young kids, all kinds of ministry teams. And so my encouragement for you today is to simply ask yourself and to pray about this, what is your next step to being connected? For some of you, it might just be coming back here next Sunday. And you know what? If that's what it is, I'll see you next Sunday. For some of you, maybe it is taking that that growth group thing and, and looking at the insert and just saying, you know, which one of these might be the one for me? Where can I begin to be connected? Maybe it's just walking out. The next step, the easiest step you can take is go start a conversation in the hub right out in that entryway with the person that says I can help and say, I don't know where to start getting connected and they will have a conversation with you to start that process. I don't know what it is. But one thing I do know is when I go through my life, I don't like holding my breath without a purpose because it wears me out. Uh, I don't like having to go with water for a period of time. But but how long are we willing to go emotionally, spiritually with separation from each other, of, of not enjoying the blessings of fellowship and connection that God has given to us And my prayer for you is that you will say, I don't want to go one more day. I don't want to go another day without enjoying this wonderful gift that God has given me in his church. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that we have fellowship with you through Jesus Christ. As we said, it was broken by sin, but it's restored through Jesus, his perfect life and the sacrifice he made for us. And so we have this identity that we share as being your children through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. But Lord, you have also done more than that. You have made us into a body that, that does your work and you've made each one of us, <coughs> excuse me, unique to serve you and we thank you for that. Uh, you've made us members. Uh, you, you've just, Lord, bring us together into your family and Now, Lord, help us to not only enjoy this relationship, but to share it. Make our joy complete as we live for you and and share this good news with others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. All right, so this is what we learned today. Our families just got a lot bigger. And, and so this can start today by... I suppose if the person came with you, you can hug them next to you as part of your family. But those who you don't know, it's just you don't know them yet. And they are definitely part of our family. Uh, Let's continue to celebrate this. Come out onto the patio, opportunity to get to know one another and, and be this family that God has called us to be. And as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you a favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.